to welcome Dave McClellan's parents who are here visiting. Welcome. We're glad that you're here and able to, to be with us this morning. And I also want to uh, welcome uh, Gerardo and Angeles. Uh, it's nice to see your faces as always. And then I want to say that it is a special privilege, um, and we need to give thanks to God because our brother Joel is able to be with us again this morning. And God is truly good. And Joel, we're so thankful for God's grace in your life and continue to anticipate and trust more healing to you. So let's go to the Lord now in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this distinct privilege to come together as a family of God and to gather together to sing and to worship you, to praise you, to, to humble ourselves before you, to be taught and instructed by your Spirit through your Word, to sing songs of praise and adoration, songs of confession, songs of thanksgiving, to pray for one another. Lord, we look at the back of this sanctuary and we see one evidence of grace in, the, in our brother Joe Miller and we praise you for that. We will, not, we will not, Lord, hesitate to do that. Lord, we will not fail to do that because you are great. You are a great God. We say that together. We confess together you are great. Thank you, God. Now, Father, we pray that even as we look into your word now in the next couple of minutes, Lord, the, this time together, that you would powerfully speak to us through your spirit Father, I sense my great need for you, and so I pray for your help, your, your help, your enablement, your spirit to anoint every word that is spoken. Lord, preserve me from error. Lord, let the word of God uh, uh, run its course and speak to our hearts. Let this family of God that is here gathered, every person, every individual from the youngest to the oldest, be gripped by your word. In your precious name, together do we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this is my question for you this morning. Are you married to the church? Or are you dating the church? See, wrapped up in this question, actually, is the issue of commitment. Now, most of you are married. And you understand that before you got married, when you were dating you were definitely in a relationship, to be sure. But when you got married, you moved from being in a relationship to being in a committed relationship. There was a transition that took place. And the question I want to ask us this morning is, how are you personally, individually related to the local church? Are you married to the church? Or... Would your relationship to the church be characterized more by just kind of hanging out? Just kind of hanging out with the church? What does our attitude toward the church reflect? Does it, reheart, does it reflect Christ's heart for the church? See, I want to read this morning from Ephesians chapter 5. I want to read verses 25 through 32. I want to look at Ephesians 5, 25 through 32. Now, this passage is one that you're probably familiar with in light of the fact that most of the weddings that you've attended or gone to, or maybe a marriage seminar of some sort, you have seen this text explained, you have, seen it talk, you have, you have heard it talked about many times, and, and the pastor always makes application to the marriage that is just about to take place or the marriage that you are presently involved in. And that is the point of the text 
in, in that modeling, a marriage should be modeled after Christ's love for the church. But what I want you to see in this passage, in this portion of Scripture, is that this text gives particular insight into the relationship and the depth and the intensity of Jesus Christ's love for the church. And so, husbands, I don't want you to be distracted this morning by comparing your love for your wife with Christ's love for his church. That's another sermon for another time. And wives, I don't want you to be distracted this morning by, by looking at your husband and seeing if they stack up and how they stack up next to Jesus and his love for the church. That's a different sermon. This morning, what I want us to do is, is to look at Christ and the way he loves the church. Even though the primary emphasis of this text is, is, is marriage and the model that Christ and his church represents for marriage, what I want us to do is instead to see what this passage tells us about Christ's love, about his commitment to his bride. So let's read together, please. Ephesians chapter 5, 25 through 32. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Now, it's important from the very beginning for us to understand that God did not look down at the relationship between, say, Abraham and his wife and say, now that's a loving relationship. That's a model marriage. I think I'll take my example for how to love the church on the basis of how Abraham treats his wife. God does not look at human marriage and say, now that's a good example. I'll take that human marriage and I'll model my love for the church after that. No, it's the exact opposite. God created marriage to illustrate his love that he has for the church, a love which pre-existed the marriage relationship. And as Paul states, this is indeed a profound mystery, the marriage relationship, which is at the very least it's an imperfect echo of of Christ's love and his perfect commitment for his bride. But I want us to consider this morning, I want us to consider what this passage teaches us about the depth of Christ's love for his church. How much does Christ love the church? How much passion and hunger and desire and committedness and faithfulness does Christ exercise for his church? Well, the text says, so much that he gave himself for her. He shed his blood. 
Yes, it's that he died for the church to redeem a people to become his very own. What stands out in this text, uh, writes John Stott, is that the heavenly groom, we see in this text, the heavenly groom's commitment and covenant love for his bride. He chose her from eternity past. From eternity past, he set his affection upon her. And after buying her back from sin and from death, he gently and he patiently sanctifies her and cleanses her and prepares her for himself. The love of Christ is not flighty. It is not given to whim. It is actually the opposite. It is sacrificial. It is an unchanging love. And his identification with us in this text is so real that he considers us to be his own body, which he nourishes and cherishes. Which one of us as members of this church does not take care of or does not desire to take care of our body? We nourish it. We protect it. We feed it. And Christ is saying here that he is nourishing his own body. He cherishes it. And his passion is so great for us that he calls us his bride. Now, even if you've been to a hundred weddings, 500 weddings, maybe you're a pastor, maybe you have preached many of these weddings, there's always that magical moment when the, the groomsmen are standing here, the bridesmaids are on the other side, and the groom is standing in the middle, and all the people rise. And what happens? The bride walks down the aisle. And everybody stands up, and with great anticipation, they turn and they look at the face of the bride. And the joy and, and, and the, the electricity of that moment. But the only thing that's more powerful than standing up and looking at the face of the bride is to turn and look at the face of the groom. The groom's face, when he sees his bride clothed in white, walking towards him, and he sees that, and he is visibly shaken by that. And I, I've had the privilege of being involved in, in several weddings and, and being a groomsman in those weddings, and to look at my brothers in Christ who love their wives with so much passion, or their fiancé with so much passion, that as she walks to the front, they are so thankful. They feel totally privileged to be in this position. And when they see the bride, they look at her face and, and, and they grab for the handkerchief because tears begin to flow down the face of the groom. That is such a beautiful image. And even if you've been to a hundred of these weddings, it's as though Christ were saying, have you seen the intensity and the love and the anticipation of that wedding? Well, magnify that. By the nth degree, and you have only a sampling, only a small taste of my love for the church. And that's why he describes that glorious day as a wedding celebration. The wedding feast, the supper of the Lamb. As the church of Jesus Christ, the church that is composed of Christians from all nations, from all peoples, from all tongues and languages, gathering together 
All different colors of skin, all different types of people, cultures, they gather together and he looks forward to that day and he says, you are my bride and I cannot wait for that moment. I am longing for that day. I am preparing for that day. I am laboring to make you the beautiful, blameless and spotless bride that you are to be on that day. And John Stott writes again in his excellent commentary uh, on the book of Ephesians, he writes, speaking of the church, speaking of the church on earth, he writes the following words. She is often in rags and tatters, stained and ugly, despised and persecuted. But one day she will be seen for who she is. Nothing less than the bride of Christ, free from spots and wrinkles and any other disfigurement. Holy and without blame, without blemish, beautiful and glorious. And it is to this constructive end that Christ has been working and is continuing to work. The bride does not make herself presentable. It is the bridegroom who labors to beautify her in order to present her to himself. Friend, if this does not stir something in your heart... If you can hear the description of Christ's love for the church and something in you does not resonate, I want you to be concerned. I want you to be troubled this morning that the reality of your love for the church may not be Christ's love for the church. And that raises a further question, doesn't it? Because if you do not love the church like Jesus loves the church, what does that say about your love for Christ? Now, people, they they say all the time, you know, I, I want a heart for the poor. I, 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 I pray for a heart for the nations to reach. I pray for a heart uh, for, um, for maybe racial harmony. I pray for a heart for, uh, for the many people who are suffering around the world in various capacities. And I ask you this question this morning. Do you want God's heart for the church? Do you desire to love the church like he loves the church? Now, I know that we can't perfectly love the church the way the bridegroom does. But, friends, we are called to be imitators of God. And we are called to be conformed to the image of His Son. So can there be any question that part of being like Jesus is to love what He loves? If you love Christ, then surely you must love and be absolutely committed to His church. Not merely tolerant of or indifferent to, or nominally involved in, but in love with and committed to God's plan and purpose to the church. But, you know, if we don't get around to talking about commitment, you know, this will just be nice words, a nice sermon. If we don't get around to talking about specifics and asking the question, where has God called each one of us individually to call our home, then this would just be words. You see, today there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of, well, fuzzy thinking about the church. Actually, it's worse than that, friends. It's worse. There's just, a lot of, there's just a lot of ignorance about the church. Just not much thinking at all about it. Just, just complete ignorance about the church in, in the world. And, and, and even in, the, in our evangelical culture, this is true. A lot of fuzzy thinking. And friends, many of us have started with this type of fuzzy thinking, maybe when we grew up or maybe today, maybe even here this morning, 
your thinking about the church is fuzzy. It's, it's muddled. It's not clear in your mind. And so today, there's very little deeply rooted conviction about the church. I, I see this all the time with Christian singles and college students. I, I had the privilege of being a part of a college ministry um, and campus outreach. It's an excellent ministry. I thank God for campus outreach, campus crusade, navigators, and many other ministries. And I've seen this all the time is that, is that it seems that college students, they, they tend to navigate towards conferences, towards retreats, towards the next sort of, what shall we call it, a religious activity that is happening. They love to go to these things. And, and you know, but the local church, well, the local church is fine. It's a fine institution. And, I mean, it's not like they're opposed to it or, or, or like they're somehow uh, resisting it. I mean, it's, it's not that they don't go. I mean, they still go to church and, 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 and they go every Sunday. But, friends, it's just that they don't think about it. They don't have a conviction about it. They don't have a commitment to it. I remember once in college uh, confronting, uh, in a loving way, I mean, obviously challenging a leader of a college ministry and asking him about the striking lack of emphasis on the local church in that particular ministry. And and as I mentioned this to him, um, he was a very godly man, a man that I love and respect. And he looked at me and he said this, uh, well, we just assume that they understand that about the local church. Well, maybe, but maybe not. It's partially true, I'm sure. I mean, in that many of those students will assume that they need to be somewhere on Sunday. And maybe even they will go somewhere on Sunday. And maybe for you this morning, you also have that level of a conviction. I need to be somewhere on Sunday. I need to to go to church. But friends, habit is not the same thing as commitment. And habit is not the same thing as conviction. I mean, can you imagine, on your 25th wedding anniversary, uh, uh, look, you, you, you are there, your spouse looks into your eyes, and he says this, Honey, all these years I have cared for you, and there was no one who matters to me more. And do you know why I've done this? Habit. <laughs> That's going to kill the romance. The romance is finished at that point. Thanks for the anniversary, but no thanks. And I do not believe, friends, that God's heart is moved when He sees a bunch of people who have just gotten in the habit of showing up on Sundays. And I think it's so ironic who are not even walking with God in the rest of their life or in the rest of their week. They show up on Sunday. They do not fear God. They, they, they do not love God. But it's like they've been going to church on Sundays so long that it's like, well, what else would I do? I do not think God's heart is moved by that because habit is not the same as commitment or conviction. You see, friends, people want to date the church. People want to date the church. It's kind of like this scenario. Hey, you seen anybody? Yeah, yeah, you know, I... uh, Met this uh, met this really nice church over there on uh, Thurston Dermot Road. Really, is that right? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, you know, really, uh, really great church. You know, really great. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, 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 you really like her? Yeah, yeah. I think I do. I think I do. You know, we've, we've had some good times. You know, 
so uh, have you, I mean, I mean, so like how long have you guys been together? Oh, uh, uh, six months or so? Yeah, really? I mean, are you like, I mean, are you, are you like getting into like membership classes? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I got about five of those. Remember, she, you know, she's into that sort of thing, and and you know, it really makes her happy. So, yeah. So I went to him. So, I, wow. I mean, so is she, is she attractive? Oh yeah, man. I mean, she got this new auditorium and all these new pews, and yeah, she's great. So I mean, are I mean, are we? Are we talking marriage? Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, no, I don't think so. I mean, no, I mean, it's just, you know, there's, you know, I'm still young, and I mean, there's a lot of churches out there, and, and you know, you don't want to just kind of marry the first church you come across, you know, and, and, and you know, I, uh, and to be honest, there's just some things about her. She's kind of, well, she's, she's kind of clingy. I mean, when we get together on Sundays, she, you know, she wants to be, get, she wants to be together like two hours. <laughs> and, you know, and she's always like, let's get there on time. And when you get there, honey, please turn the cell phone off. And, and then, and then she, and then she goes further and she says, you know, you know, I want us to go to youth group and, you know, I want us to serve and I want us to help out in the church. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, honey. I mean, hey, we got this beautiful thing happening here. And I'm like, you know, don't, I mean, you know, I'm feeling like, whoa. I mean, I've like, I mean, I've like never said this to her or anything, but I'm kind of like back off, you know, because you know there. I mean, I, I'm I'm not not saying this to be proud, but I mean, there's a lot of churches out there that like to have me around, you know, you know, and they wouldn't be like trying to keep me for two hours every week, and you know what I mean. I just kind of, well, I just kind of want to keep my options open. Well, I was one of those kids who practically was born in the church. And my dad has been a pastor as long as I've been alive. And so I've always been around the church, you know, church meetings, church people, youth groups, you know, and it was a social experience for me. And I never really came to church out of conviction. And for me, it was a social engagement. And really, I was quite cavalier and casual about the whole thing. And maybe, friends, you have been cavalier and casual in your attitude to the church. You know, maybe your attitude to the church, maybe you're growing cold. You know, church meetings, church people, hospitality, Wednesday night prayer, small groups, same old thing, week after week, week after week, humdrum, same thing, same old, same old, you know the game. And, friends, truthfulness this morning requires you to say that you know, really, you're not passionate about the church. In fact, the idea of being passionate about the church, I mean, even that idea is strange to you. I mean, it's like somebody coming up to you and saying, are you passionate about your local grocery store? I mean, to which you would say to them, I don't know, I just go. You know, I just, this is something I do. Or, or, or maybe you've seen the good and the bad and the ugly of church, and, 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 and maybe you're just kind of left unimpressed. Like you've seen, you know, the flaws and and the initial romance has kind of died off for the whole thing. I mean, I mean, you're still with her. But you have to admit that. Well, you're just not really feeling the spark anymore. 
Is that you? You know, kind of looking around. I mean, you're not seeking to leave or anything. Leave the local church. I'm not speaking of heritage specifically. I mean, you're not seeking to leave the local church or anything, but, you know, just trying to find fulfillment in other things. You know, a Bible study over there, another small group over here, you know, a worship festival over there, a conference over here, and, you know, the other one. But your local church, you know, your, the place where you come to be fed, your local church, you know, you're just, honestly, you're just not all that excited about it. And friends, if that's the case for you this morning, let me speak into your life. And I pray that God is speaking also into your life and that God is saying something to you, something like, I I want you to get serious about the local church. I I want you to stop dating around. I, I want you to become a part of my plan. I want you to serve this body. I want you to help this body. I want you to encourage this body. I want you to build up this body as they will commit and promise to doing the same for you. This is God's plan. It's always been His plan from the beginning to build a name and a people for Himself through the gospel. And so we are called to love the church. And friends, our heart will move from coming to church just sheerly out of habit. It will move and suddenly we will find ourselves saying, you know what? None of my pastors are famous. Few of them have written a few books, but none of them are famous. You know, a few of them have traveled in different places of the world, but really none of them are really world travelers. But you know what? I'm really starting to fall in love with these people. People that are not like me, people that are also full of a lot of sin. But I'm really starting to love these people and all that God is doing in them and through them for the sake of His gospel. So, friends, I ask you this morning. What are you doing with your life? Are you a part of something that's going to last? I mean, I challenge our men. I challenge us as men to find older men in this congregation who can disciple us and lead us into God's commitment for the church. I challenge those of you who are younger ladies in this church to find older ladies who own that conviction and to be discipled by them around that conviction. But... This leads us to ask some tough questions, and I want to close with asking some tough questions this morning for us. Is it God's design, number one, is it God's design that Christians build their lives around the local church? Is that God's design? Is the local church the primary place, number two, for me to use my gifts for the glory of God? Is the primary church place for me to use my gifts the local church? Question number three, is the local church the primary instrument God wants to use to proclaim the gospel and to make disciples of all nations? And number four, am I called? Am I called to be committed to a specific local church? Well, I believe based on the teaching of God's word that the answer is an emphatic yes to all of these questions. I believe that when we ask the question, is it God's design that we build our lives around the local church, that the answer is yes, we are to build our life around the local church. I believe that when we ask the question, is the primary place for me to use my gifts for the glory of God, the local church, I believe the answer to that question is yes, 
Use them in the context of the local church. Go crazy with your gifts in the context of the local church. I believe when we ask the question, is the local church the primary, the primary instrument that God wants to use to proclaim the gospel and disciple the nations? I believe yes. I believe the church is God's program for evangelism. That is his program. That is his most foundational program for evangelism. And I believe that when we ask the question, am I called to be committed to a specific local church? I believe the answer to that question is yes. I believe we are to do these things. But the question is, do you own these convictions? Friends, if you do not, let me speak gently, very gently to you. Please, please do not avoid what I'm saying. If you do not believe these things, please, please study God's word. Read the book of Ephesians. Please talk with your pastors who are here who would love to point you in directions to help you own these convictions. See, I want you to know that these convictions don't come from Heritage Baptist Church. They come from God. They are created by God. And, and, and friends, these standards will exist even if Heritage Baptist Church ceases to exist. So please, I, 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 I ask you, do not deceive yourself and think that, well, that's just the way they do things around here. It's not. It's the way that God does things in the world. And I want you to wrestle with the Word of God and tell me if this is not so. Because I want you to understand that you cannot really encapsulate God's passion for the world. You cannot really involve yourself with God's global plan if you are not committed to God's plan on a local level, which is to be building His church. So have you married the church? You say, well, Jonathan, to be honest, no. I mean, I'll tell you this. I I attend all the time. I'm not a member yet, but I attend all the time. And please know that I'm not speaking of Heritage Baptist Church. I'm speaking of the local church. Friends, we we don't think that you have to join this church. We just want you to join a local church somewhere but friends attending all the time is not marriage to the church that's an insincere commitment masquerading as a sincere commitment but maybe you've gone further and you say Jonathan I've actually joined the church in which case maybe you're like the man who decides he should stop dating his girlfriend and actually marry her and so he gets into the marriage but he does it, and what he's come to realize is that he kind of did it for the benefits. You know, what can the marriage do for him? And so it is with his relationship with the church. And so we ask the question about commitment and involvement in the church. And I believe that our commitment um, should be based on biblical convictions, and I want to give you two in closing. Number one, our commitment to the local church should be involved should involve biblical convictions. Number one, first, commitment is demonstrated in action and not just words. Commitment is demonstrated in action and not just words. Now, you say you're committed to the church. And the question I ask is, what does your life and behavior show 
about that verbal statement that you are committed to the church. We must express our commitment by our actions. We need to find our places in our local church. You know, we need to find our place. Maybe for some of you, you need to actually go through the membership class uh, at a particular local church. Um, And then once you've gone through that, the process of membership, find a place in a Bible study, in a small group, in a place of service or a place of ministry. Um, If you look at Ephesians chapter 4, the the fact is in Ephesians chapter 4, it says that the body is built up as each member contributes and each member serves that body. Each member is joined to the others and we function as one unit. One of the uh, commentators of Ephesians says this. Listen to this. This is a a challenging quote. The church is a body and I am either a productive member of this organism or I am contributing to its dismemberment. Many of you seated here may be living illustrations of this message, and I mean that in a positive way. I am so thankful for all the committed members who have encouraged me in this church, who have helped me. I I am so thankful. I'm sure our pastors are so thankful. They are so thankful for all the committed members of this church who love this body, who serve this body. And, and, and our pastors thank you for that. They thank you for your example. They are thankful for the evidence of grace in your life. And I am thankful for that. I'm thankful for the way that helps me to see your example. But I, I, I also want to speak to, to you who are not members of this church or have been members maybe or for many years now you've been members and and you find yourself in a position where your love is growing cold and my prayer is that god is speaking to you now and this day will be the beginning of a significant change in your heart i want you to fall in love with the family of god friends we need to be honest with ourselves why are we here what why have we joined the church What's all this for anyway? Secondly, commitment to the local church means being committed to God's purpose. This is foundational. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Just look at a couple verses with me in Ephesians 3. It says in Ephesians 3, let's read 7 through 11. Ephesians 3, 7 through 11. Of this gospel... I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Paul is passionate about the church. He is passionate about the church because through the church, the mystery, the unfolding of the very plan of God, hidden through the ages, is known. And it's only known through the church. This is the vehicle that the very unfolding of the saving plan of God is made known to the world. It is centered around God. His commitment is based in biblical convictions. 
Paul's commitment. It is centered around God. It is not centered on worldly interests. And friends, our pastors themselves, they don't want us to be committed for the wrong reasons. They, 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 want, us, they want you and me, they want us to be committed for God's reasons. They, they don't want you to be committed because your friends are here or because you love this building, which I doubt that's the case. <laughs> or because you love your pastors and they're such great guys. But our commitment should not be based on those things. It should not be based on what we do for kids and what we don't do. Friends, our commitment to this church is much greater than that. It's committed to God's purpose in the world. It's committed to the fact that God has chosen to use the local church to preach to the nations, to evangelize this community of Owensboro. We should be committed because the gospel and evangelism are God's global purposes. And this happens through the church. So I want to close this way, folks. It's really quite simple. Jesus died for the church. He is passionate about his bride. He gave himself for her. And I just have to say a word to you if you're an unbeliever here this morning. We want you to know that the death of Jesus Christ, the death, the death of Jesus Christ is the reason why we're here. We're not here finally because we are righteous and good people. No, we're actually quite sinful. Friends, we have come to discover that God, the God whom we had slighted and ignored, had come to seek us out the way a shepherd seeks a lost sheep. And here you are at Heritage this morning and you're not a believer and you feel yourself being alienated. Maybe you have feelings this morning of being alone or whatever else it might be. And the message of the gospel, which is the good news, is simply this. You too can be forgiven of all your sins and cleansed from all of your unrighteousness. Simply repent of your self-sufficiency. And put your trust in Christ. He alone can give you the righteousness that you need to stand in God's presence. Friends, life is vanity without Christ. If you're, if you're lost this morning, I want you to know that life is vanity without Christ. Just ask the average suburban housewife if she's happier today with the however many car garages searching in her purse for opener one, opener two, Opener three for the opener, for the gadget, to get the gadget, to ring the bell, to find the keys, to do the code, whatever it is. Ask her. Ask her if she's happier now with all of this than the lady down the street who can be seen carrying cardboard boxes up the stairs with her godly husband. Oh, life is hard for them. But they carry the boxes up the stairs and they've just moved into their two-bedroom apartment. They just moved because they had to move. I mean, they were in a small town and they couldn't find a faithful local church to shepherd their souls. So they left. They left. Their husband looked for another job in a city where there was a strong and healthy local church. And he found one. But he had to take a massive pay cut. Less money? Oh, yeah. Less comfort? 
Yes. Less happiness? No. More. Much more. And people of God, those of you who love Christ, love what He loves. So intimate is the union between Christ and His church that He considers her His own body. If we say that we love Him, we must love what He loves. And so how are you doing this morning? Is your love for Christ seen by your commitment to His bride? By your commitment to serve and minister to His bride? By your desire to nourish and strengthen her? By your desire to be with her as much as possible? Jesus is committed. He is absolutely committed to His bride. He is committed to serving her and ministering to her. He labors to nourish her and to strengthen her. His passion is to be with her always. Christ is married to the church. Are you? Let's pray. Exalted Christ, we come before you and we thank you for your model. We thank you for your covenant faithfulness and commitment to us. You have entered into this arrangement with us as your bride. You are absolutely committed to us. We want to love you and we want to be committed to the same things that you are committed to. We want to have the heart that you have. So we pray for that. We ask you for that. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Ephesians 5. Thank you for a beautiful text that we generally think of as a text at weddings. But thank you. The fact is that we model our marriages after your example, after your commitment to your church. Thank you for this beautiful text of Scripture, which helps us see that you have given yourself and that you have considered us your bride, that you are nourishing and cherishing as your own body. Lord, give us your heart. In Jesus' name we pray.